2: Of the brown brown, it is Monday, it's the windup. It's the middle of the day, to be honest. I'm in a nice place surrounded by lovely recording equipment, so I might be crisper than ever. And my name's Scott Tilford. We do the windup every single Monday, all the latest video games, all the latest talking points in the industry, and sometimes we wind each other up as well. So how is, he, how is he doing? How is he getting on?
3: I'm doing all right, man. In comparison to you, who is surrounded by current technology, I am <laughs> at my house surrounded by a blanket, so I'm really what cozy right now. The,
2: this the studio is very cold, <laughs> so at least you've, you've got access to the warmth. Um, but yeah, we thought we'd do a bit of a tandem approach to this because January is a very dry month um, for overall releases. Apart from Windjammers on Friday, are you going to get Windjammers, mate? Windjammers <laughs> I'm going to live vicariously through you in that one, I think. I am counting the minutes. I've spent 80 English pounds on a special edition, which has now been that delayed because of COVID. So I'm going to buy it again, aren't I? From digital. Crazy digital means to get access to it on Friday. Um, and then our lovely little seafood's out at, at the start of February. But we'll get to the big games, or the bigger games, uh, in good time. Because I thought we'd do a tandem approach of bit of news, bit of something that's coming up that we've personally picked, and just alternate. And then we're going to end on a conversation, if we have time, um, on the state of God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West. So, um, first uh, order of business, first news item, is PlayStation 3 games popping up on the PlayStation 5 store? Um, literally, as of this morning, when we started recording this, uh, or putting the plan together for the podcast... Um, the likes of Prince of Persia the Forgotten Sands and Prince of Persia the Two Thrones and um, a couple of older uh, Dead or Alive games, Bejeweled 3 are all listed on the uh, PlayStation Network right now and they all have official PS3 logos in the corner of their thumbnails let's say on the storefront um, just like PS4 games do and just like PS5 games do so it seems like something official is coming. Now, obviously this is alongside the fact that they are doing, uh, or Sony are doing the Spartacus program as it's known internally yeah. their approach to Game Pass but what do you, I guess what do you think of weirdly these games potentially being some of the first ones on there and like the fact that it's potentially happening pretty
3: soon i mean the the, the strange picks but i mean maybe <laughs> it's indicative of a, of a wider net the casting i mean i'm mm. a big Pit prince of persia fan i not so. played those original games or even the ps3 games in a long long time so i wouldn't mind jumping back into those fellas but mm. yeah like you said you know this comes hot off the heels last week of sony pulling all of the ps now vouchers in the uk for instance and oh, making yeah. them yeah. not valid so it seems between that and this they're building up to something something is Imminent in terms of this potential Spartacus thing they're talking about. And if they are dropping it soon, if they are dropping a Game Pass contender soon,
2: Scott Tilford, mm. I'm going to be extremely excited for it. I did laugh at the Prince of Persia games being on here because, of course, Ubisoft are just sort of like, oh, money, is it? Can we, can we do a thing? <laughs> We've got, like, Ubisoft are the first in line for that kind of thing. Because, um, I mean, I love the old school Prince of Persia games. Obviously, th- that's a weird trilogy to go back to. It's very 2004, um, especially because Warrior Within, like, obviously they got God Smack on the soundtrack, which young me, <laughs> diplom in love I was loving uh, I stand alone and all that kind of stuff. But if you go back to it now, it's a very weird trilogy. Like the first one's very you know, mystical and ethereal and fun and charming. And then two yeah. is all gritty. He's got his goatee. And then three is a stealth game because stealth was in at the time. <laughs> and so, like, Two Thrones is the one that's listed on here. Um, but that's the thing. If they start bringing that back and trying to showcase a backwards compatibility service with old school Prince of Persia, um, that's a weird beat. But I guess, like, is there anything that comes to mind when you think of PS3 games to add on here? Because for me, the PS3 is one of the most, like... It barely had a library. Like, it was sort of... Ooh. It was very much um, Sony's Xbox One period, where they sort of went... You know, obviously Uncharted. Like, there yeah. are there are some, but most stuff fell off. Killzone didn't land the way that they wanted it to, the more they tried to expand on it. Like, I don't... You're, you're, doing, you're doing a little face there, Josh, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a little bit, because... <clears throat>
3: As you know, um, at the early kind of PS3 era, in the early mm-hmm. PS3 era, I didn't have a PS3 for the longest time. I didn't okay. get it until very late, mm-hmm. and I only got it so I could play Metal Gear Solid Four. So a lot of the games, <laughs> Seems to be honest, and that I, an
2: uncharted one, yeah,
3: yeah, totally. Like a lot of the games, like the early Kill Zones, and um, I only played around friends. I only completed around friends. The same mm-hmm. with Resistance. So mm-hmm. while I've played those games, while I have enjoyed those games, I've never owned them, and I've never mm-hmm. spent like you know day after day properly interrogating. them. So there's a lot of um, franchises or games from that era that I'm excited to go back to and see how they hold up. you know, Heavenly sword comes to mind. I only ever played mm. that around my cousin's house oh, that, and the resistance games. As well, I don't I want to jump into. It. And they almost certainly haven't. But I feel like there's definitely a generation of PlayStation fans, whether they just jumped on at the Mm -hmm. PlayStation 4 or whatever, who haven't experienced those. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they don't have re-releases in the same way that Uncharted has a re-release or, um, you know, The Last of Us has a Mm -hmm. re-release. The stuff like Killzone, stuff like um, Infamous, stuff like Resistance, that is just there ready to be experienced and I want to experience them
2: in 2022. That is what I hope. Resistance is a really good shout and I'd completely forgot um, about Metal Gear Solid 4. That's like obviously used to be <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time. Very The thing is that game has the what is it, a Guinness World Record for the most cut scenes in the game. Like yeah, literally, I'm not joking. It, it has like it's eight hours or something. And um, that feels like one of the most obvious releases that, you know, deserves a, a new lease on life. Like Metal Gear, 4, Metal Gear Solid 4 has always been just trapped on PS3. There was no way to get it unless you, um, I mean, I guess you can stream it on PlayStation now, but it's only streamable yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm well, this is it. You can stream it on PlayStation
3: now. And I did that because, like mm. I said, I replayed them a little while ago, but it's not how you want to play Metal Gear Solid no. 4, man. Like, it's it's okay, but there are lags in the frame, right, when things start kicking off, especially towards the end. And it's fine. It's a fine way to experience it, but that mm. game deserves more.
2: <laughs> yes. And plus, like, the Resistance series as well. I feel like those, like, over the years, there's been rumors of them redoing Resistance stuff. And it's like, if they want another first-party, uh, first-person shooter franchise to blow up, then maybe Resistance is that. It's funny, though, because I, I largely stick to to what I said. I mean, you obviously got at the very tail end of this, the console, you had The Last of Us. Metal Gear Solid 4 was a big deal. But I'm just looking, I'm just scanning a few, you know, best PS3 games of all time lists and it's, once you get past those two, like, it's kind of slim pickings. Like, Demon's Souls hmm. has been re-approached over the years. There's the Ratchet and Clank games. Infamous is on there. Killzone's on there. But I just, I don't know. I feel like if Infamous and Killzone came back, like, people might try them out as, like, a curio, but I feel like they they would have had tails on them longer if the quality was always there, which I I would just say that it it rarely was for those games. I guess I would go back to Infamous 2, but Killzone has aged like like milk, to be honest with
3: you. That's true. (laughs) But almost because of that, it makes me interested in Mm. seeing these former massively pushed franchises that have kind of disappeared and Mm. and sort of approaching them outside of the hype and outside Mm. of their context almost to just see what the crack was and see if there is any part of that worth bringing back and, you know, updating for a new Generation, because I mean, look, I, I'm a huge God of War fan now. Yes, back in you the day, are. I couldn't have cared less about God of War. <laughs> try to play God of War 1, try to play God of War 2, I just couldn't get into it. That style of combat wasn't mm. for me. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I've since gone through them all, and now I love that series. I love those older <laughs> games for what they are. Uh, and I love, and I'm looking forward to God of War Ragnarok. So maybe mm. I'm not saying. Killzone is on the level of God of War, Scott Taylor, but no. reappraising older things and finding threads or elements that do hold up and can be expanded upon—that's that's one of my favourite things about. No, I'm
2: saying. It. I mean, look, you're speaking to a guy who spent his weekend playing Dead to Rights, so it's, I am I'm not. I'm not <laughs> opposed to the the 2004 reappraisal, but it's um, that's the thing. Is I hope this does speak to because I remember years ago, me and me and you reported on this. There was a, a patent filed by Mark Cerny back in let's say 2018-ish um, yeah. about full backwards compatibility coming to the PlayStation 5, and they had this whole thing where they would patented. Um, a way to access every single library of games. And that's always been the pipe dream for this thing. Um, as a wider conversation, like a, a, some sort of system where you could play PS1, PS2, PS3, and PSP games, which I'm going to assume encompasses Vita as well. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what would get me in. Like, if you give me, if you give me an, an HD 60 FPS version of Tekken 3 that just auto-upscales or works or whatever, like, we can mean you, and you have this, and I've got, I'm buying one. We can get HD upscalers off Amazon for, like, £5, yeah. pounds and they do a better <laughs> job of making something like The Sopranos or the 24 game feel more playable <laughs> in 2022 than anything on the Sony side, like that's kind of insane, man. Like, and again, it's it's a pipe dream that we've
3: pined over (laughs) for literally years at this point. But with Mark Cerny constantly signing those patents, like I'm sure he's doing more backwards compatibility patents last week. Like he's always (laughs) on that job. Um, I just feel like it needs to happen because, like you said, there are all of these games just kind of going to waste. And if we're doing mm. PS3, I do hope that's a starting point for PS2 to eventually get the PS1 mm-hmm. games that are readily available and accessible on your PlayStation 5 or your PlayStation 4. Like, that, to me, is the dream. And you know, they won't have a proper Game Pass competitor until they get that back
2: catalog on. I also, like, I wonder how much they'll... Because Sony, I guess I, I'm going to go over it again, but I feel like Sony mm-hmm. always look at the competition and then, and then do what <laughs> they do. So, like, right now, the competition is large game pass but it's kind of also nintendo's approach in terms of rotating titles through a monthly window and paying that way so i kind of wonder if they'll hybridize the two and so you'll pay a monthly and i know i know game pass rotates too but they're longer windows Um, and obviously nintendo are just they just the the games that nintendo are putting on their service are either ancient like 2d Mm -hmm. completely overlooked something from 1986 or it's um n64 stuff like banjo kazooie or whatever so like they've i was gonna say they have a nice mix but it's more that it's Largely turgid, and then a couple that are recommendable. <laughs> but I wonder if Sony do the same thing where they go back and go, okay, we can have, you know, you can rotate through stuff, old school PS2 classics, PS1 classics, maybe Def Jam gets in there for the first time in 20 years, you know, and they yeah. chuck out, tech, there's a Tekken bundle. They have so much more they can rotate through that they can do those deals with the publishers. Um, and go like, oh, you guys want to stimulate interest in Silent Hill, for example? Let's let's put mm-hmm. one of those out and put the classic out. And if they nail the emulation side of it, then any upscaling should just take care of itself. Like, depends how they do it, but yeah, I, just totally. want, I just want clean versions of those games, not me too, man. You know, not weird hazy two forty p stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, me too. I don't th- see I don't see them doing that or adopting the Nintendo approach just mm. because. They've got something right now with PlayStation Now, and they've Mm -hmm. got something with the games that they have ported from PS2 to PS4. Mm -hmm. Like that is a service that works, but it's not Game Pass level. So I feel like if they're going to ape something else, if they're going to chuck all of the hard work. Yeah, yeah, if they're going to chuck all of the hard work that they've put into this service over the past four or five years or whatever, like away, mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to have to be gunning for the biggest game in town and the most successful game in town. And that is the Game Pass model. Like, I just yes. feel like that is the thing that they would try to wape. And if they're going to go head to head with someone, it's going to be them doing that because they've tried it mm-hmm. their own way. They've tried this weird compromise of streaming and downloading and what have you, and cycling through releases and not putting on PS5 or new PS4 games. And it's, it's not worked how they want it to be. So if they're no. trading all of that in, they're going to have to be is consumer friendly and pro consumer as game pass is i just think they have to do that otherwise they're just making it another ps now which mm. isn't what they need to do at all
2: one thing that's really interesting as well is that they I mean they've just gone back on everything they've ever said at this point so it's kind of just all <laughs> on the table but um, you know, they talked about how, uh, I think it was Jim Ryan might have been someone else said that the Game Pass model wasn't viable for a AAA industry with the budgets that they're talking about being applied to those top tier titles, they, they just yeah. didn't think the Game Pass was a viable model and obviously they were the ones who have pioneered the £70 or $70 whatever it is, top tier price for those games which goes against the reality of what Game Pass is doing where Xbox are like oh new Halo, new Forza, whatever, it's all in there and we're never going to charge you any extra for it. even though they clearly will at some point in the future because business. But right now that's what they're going up against. I wonder if the way they offset the value of the monthly thing is by saying it's just sheer bulk. And they go like, here's all the PlayStation 1 classics that you always wanted. Because there was always that massive list of everything that they initially tested on the mini PS1. And it was everything people wanted. Like the original, like Soul Reaver and the original Crash Bandicoots and everything else. And I wonder if they just go, well, we can't give you all of our new stuff. We couldn't give you the the God of War Ragnarok on there. Um, But we can give you all your memories, all your PlayStation 1 stuff, PS2 stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what you get for £8 a month or something like that.
3: Yeah, I think you're probably right, because even in the rumoured uh, Spartacus reveal that mm. I think it was before Christmas at this point, maybe at the start of the year, I can't remember. I think it was last but I, year,
2: but I mean, I think like, it was. not even his time, to be honest. Exactly.
3: But the, the, the important <laughs> thing that I do remember is that in that report, they said that, you know, Sony, at least initially, is going to be hesitant at putting the big AAA first-party exclusives on there mm. straight away. So they're not going to come like a new Halo, like a new Forza Wood to Game Pass. They're going to still have a period of when they're being sold for £70, so yeah i think you're right to offset that Mm -hmm. i think it's either going to be cheaper than game pass has got to roll in online in the same way in ps plus or just has to be bulked up by semi-recent new releases alongside this massive library because i mean i would personally pay if it was just legacy games but obviously a huge part of the appeal is having more modern stuff but i will think we'll see like the last of us 2 ghost Mm -hmm. of tsushima that stuff probably will be on there but to offset the fact that God of War isn't going to be on there and Horizon isn't going to be on there.
2: Yeah, that's why. That's how I think they'll fold the Nintendo approach in because Nintendo. When Nintendo announced the N sixty four add on, absolute morons like me paid the money for it, and then they said, "Oh, and also Banjo Kazooie is coming to it," and "Oh, and also we're going to be adding all these different things that should have been on there from the beginning." But the like harsh business reality of that is that you get to have a PR spin every few weeks, and you get to you get to have all those you know recurring headlines. And oh my God, X favorite game has finally been added to this service. So I wonder if that's what they do across the next generation. They announce a batch, a a decent, sizable batch. PS1 games or PS2 games, and then they add to them, you know, and then they get to do the headlines, they get to do the, the blog posts and everything else, and then yeah. they can try and get they can try and do deals over time. Maybe it takes time to convince convince EA, Mr. Moneybags, to put Death Jam on a thing. Put Burnout <laughs> on there. Like what are we doing? Where why not? I was playing Burnout, um, I forgot what it's called now, the one where you can actually smash into cars. Maybe it's called Destruction, Destructor, Destroyer? Is that, is There's a the one. Like... Okay. It's the one they did after, maybe it, was, maybe it was always Burnout Revenge. I thought there was one beginning with D. Actually, <laughs> tell you what, as I lose my mind. The one that begins with D, it was on PSP, and that was a right. different thing. One called Burnout Revenge is the one yes. that's all carnage, and you can smash into cars from behind to get your multipliers up. Anyway, I was playing that. Burnout, very, very good. Just saying. Amazing. Where's, where's Burnout? I was playing Burnout Paradise, which one made me want to play Burnout 3, a game that's got tracks and that's things that issue. I can play and not, you know, not stuck in a big city.
3: For hours Why is Burnout Paradise the only one that's readily available, Scott Telford? Yeah. Because it's fine but it's not Burnout 3, it's not Burnout Revenge, it's not Burnout the one that begins with D is it? It's not <laughs> it's those not ones. at all
2: and I think that that's the whole thing, I feel like they um, put Burnout Paradise out to sort of test the waters and it did get up in the charts, in the UK charts anyway, the box charts, and I was hoping that would mean something going forward, but overall just get Burnout and Def Jam on there, I'm not <laughs> asking for much lads, just, I'll pay the money for it. Um, anyway to, say, to segue from that rambling news thing into something more specific, um, your pick for the one of the games you're most looking forward to or maybe your number one game you're most looking forward to is elden ring which is, it is. largely not on my radar at all but it's Dude, pretty much it, the center of yours it is
3: absolutely the center of my gaming life at the moment <laughs> i did when we did the last chatty faces when we were talking about almost anticipated mm. 2022 games mm-hmm. this was my number one pick so i'll try not to repeat myself you can check that video out on the what culture gaming uh, youtube if you do uh, want to know more about it but yes i'm just i'm so looking forward to this and i'm planning my February around it, which kind of sucks because there's so many other good games out in February. It's yep. got to the point where I'm looking forward to it so much. I almost want to jump into Dark Souls 2 and play that beforehand, but I'm I'm <laughs> I worried do. I'm because it's the right Dark Souls 2 is the one that I never finished. Dark Souls 2 is kind oh, okay. of just a, a blank spot <clears throat> in my Overall, from software experience, and I feel like really? I owe it to get to it at some point, but it's just never been the opportunity. I was going to do it after Sekiro, didn't, mm-hmm. and now I want to do it after um, Elden Ring. But I'm like, do I do it after? Do I do it before? I don't know, but I'm all in from software mode, is what I'm trying yes. to say.
2: No, man, that's that's so hilarious. I keep thinking I'll go back to Dark Souls 2 as well, because I did finish 2. I played it at the time. Hated it. Mm-hmm. And then right. I was like, but then they did the whole, is it Scholar of the First Sin when they re-released yes. it? And then Miyazaki yes. came back, because the whole thing with him was that he was in a different room when it was being made. He was off doing something else, probably Bloodborne. And then it eventually was, yeah. came back in, did the um, the Donald, is it Donald Glover meme of everything being on fire and just being like, yeah. oh, well, okay, let me be <laughs> sort that. And so I never actually played that Scholar of the First Sin version, but apparently that is the one to, to uh, pick up. but yeah, I weirdly had the same thought, but I'm also having the same thought of going on playing Assassin's Creed 3 because I, I read the, that at a 60 frames a second update. That's the madness of January 2022 in gaming. Um, but yeah, for Elden Ring, uh, my main go-to thing to just be a complete absolute downer was that it reminded me too much of Dark Souls. There was just too many reused animations. Yes. And I was like, I don't... I don't I'm don't. i here and there on what a big open world really brings Dark Souls. So I guess, like, is that the thing you're looking forward to? The idea of, like, you know, X hidden dungeons and hidden gear and, and that kind Definitely. of thing? Definitely.
3: Yeah definitely I mean my favorite thing about the From Software games actually has only been in a couple and mm-hmm. maybe even just one it's that's the first dark souls and how it has this interconnected world right yeah. like it's it's not split up by warping and your conventional levels. Like the other games in the franchise are or like, you know, something like Bloodborne is. Mm -hmm. And Sekiro kind of got back to that in a way. But I just want this kind of like big open world that has these different biomes in it, but that has this feeling of connectivity and like you're uncovering a new level to it Mm -hmm. and a new layer to it over and over again. And I wasn't convinced either um i kind of wonder whether it was getting a, away from what i wanted from these games but seeing like you know the the gameplay that's out there now and like the exploration aspect of it and i'm just i just think every single time i not doubt from software but i'm mm. a bit cautious of what they're doing like when i thought sekiro was going to go all um, mainstream and accessible <laughs> not accessible accessible is the wrong word it but, um, for them, it is it, it is more mainstream yes. for them yeah yeah totally totally um I was a bit worried about that. I was like, oh, is it just going to be a regular action game? And then it was like, no, it's a Souls game. So when they announced it was going to be an open world game, I was like, oh, is it going to be your regular open world game? And no, it looks like a, a From well, propaganda game, you know towers know I mean? you've got to hunt down, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just something like they've, they've not gone for a genre and missed, in my opinion. No. So I'm looking at this, I'm getting excited by it. I have no reason to doubt it at
2: the moment. I think my thing is that it's, I mean, this is an entirely a personal thing. It has nothing to do with video games, but it's like, how much are you up for an arduous time? And I slogged (laughs) through Sekiro. Like, I, I mean that game, I mean, it was my, it was one of the games of the year. I think it was our game of the year, like on the website and everything, because it is meticulously polished and there's lots of different parts that I had fun with, but I'm just, I'm in that thing where I'm like, if I'm exploring an open world and I, and if the checkpoint system is literally like bonfire based, like geographical Mm -hmm. and I just get flattened by some random dragon that does 10,000 damage because i wandered into its path (laughs) and i didn't even know and i've got to drive that whole way again or or, or whatever it is horseback ride um i don't know if i'm gonna throw it out the window to be honest it depends how much that checkpoint stuff gets in the way it's funny because on the
3: other hand my entire 2021 Hmm. was spent trying to find a souls-like game that i could sink my teeth Ah, into you know the the surge
2: too, josh brown well well, this is this is the issue (laughs) got.
3: It was because I was playing your other recommendations that I couldn't get to that. You know, I was playing Blasphemous. I was playing Hollow Knight. You know what I mean? I was yeah. playing these things that were very clearly souls inspired and similar to souls in structure. And it's just made me realize that I just, I want, I want, I want the proper thing. I recommendations want thing. from
2: years previous, I should say as well. But <laughs> those things were said years ago. Oh, well, here's the thing there's a big list,
3: and I try to get there through is. the list, you know, and then and there's a lot of stuff on there, including Blasphemous, which was on there for a long, long time. Mm hmm.
2: You had a lovely time though. Eventually, I'm going to get around to your, uh, before your eyes eventually, eventually. I just have ah, to yes. put on my aching, falling apart Mac, which hopefully runs <laughs> something at some point. Um, Next news thing though, is in regards to Cyberpunk, a game that I just, we've talked a hell of a lot about. We did a lot of news stuff on it. We did a lot of podcasts on it, a lot of story stuff. Um, and yet I feel like Cyberpunk is, is still yet to have its day in the sun. Like it was, it was in the sun, but it was very mm-hmm. much wilting and it was very much not ready to be there. And it wasn't ready to have that many eyeballs on it and everything else. Point being that the uh, latest news around cyberpunk is that it's called patch 1.5 which is apparently the biggest patch that it's had uh, in quite some time and it seems it's rumored to be the uh, next gen patch the thing that finally brings it up to work on the ps5 and the xbox series systems and with more um, a bigger degree of i guess like official feeling because you can play them Mm -hmm. on those systems but it's it's the older ones being upscaled it's not like actually designed for that system so that might be the thing that finally just Gives you a decent, workable, trustable version of Cyberpunk. But where you are you at on Cyberpunk in 2022? I forgot it even happened until I... And I'm 100 hours into the damn thing. And oh. I finished it two out of three uh, life paths. i be saving one life path for when the right. game is fixed. I was always doing that. So I'm waiting. And if this is the one, then maybe. But what do you think?
3: First off, those minor alterations to the life to the life path Scott Path Scott and not <laughs> worth saving at all. Like, like twenty minutes, minutes of content, yeah.
2: Like I heard the Nomad one is, is more fleshed out because I did Street Kid right. and then I did um, the, Cor- Corpo's the Corpo is the worst one by far. And um, mm-hmm. that's like thirty seconds of a different intro. But I heard that Nomad has more to it in the intro, so I guess we'll see.
3: We'll see, we'll see. I mean, for me on Cyberpunk, like. I enjoyed my time with it. I I look back on it fondly almost, Mm. even though I hated the act of playing it because it crashed to me every half an hour. But I mean, when we got to like last December and we were getting, you know, reminders of, oh, this came out a year ago, I'd I'd look fondly on the kind of, (laughs) it's weird, just look fondly on the time I spent Mm. with it. Like the the highs of that game are high. Mm. But I mean, we're over a year after it came out, you know, we're still getting patches. It's still not fixed. We still don't have the next gen versions. It's just like, is is there any goodwill there? Is there anyone waiting for this still? And I just I seriously don't know. I'm a bit burnt out on Cyberpunk Discourse, mm. but I am turned around on the game itself. I watched that. You know, I talked to you about it. I watched the Tim Rogers Action Button ten yes. hour review of it, which kind of you know him. He reviewed it on like a like a PC on like a huge screen and stuff. So I'm like, mm. there is a version of that game that is fascinating to pick apart. It's just like we we shouldn't have had to wait over a year to get that for console players and at this point does anyone
2: care enough to even talk (laughs) about it on that level anymore you know it's funny because when they um there was a patch uh, a few months ago it might have been the start of this yeah again time don't even know never heard of it but in terms (laughs) of time uh there was something recently where cyberpunk was back in the charts it was on the steam charts again and i think the, the ps4 version was up in the charts again um, and it was because some patch had come along and and done enough so that people were trying it. Maybe it was on sale. I forget the exact catalyst, but it was back in the charts. And it feels like there is enough people who obviously they held off, um, waiting for it to get to a certain level where it's acceptable again. And obviously that's on a case-by-case basis. Because um, like I said, I put 100 hours into the PS4 version being played on a PS5. And like you said, it did crash all the time, like every sort of <laughs> half an hour, every 40 minutes. But... The highs of that game I still think are incredible. I think that when yeah. the cdPR writing team are allowed to just write characters, it's spot on and some of the moment the overall like meaning of that game you talk about like a, an extractable narrative point the whole thing, being this comment on the pointlessness of getting lost in tech and the pointlessness mm-hmm. of getting lost in the big glitz and glamour of a cyberpunk city and the real, I mean obviously there's different endings and everything, but the real like value yeah. in people. Um, I love that stuff, and I think it nails that stuff really, really well. Some of it comes through Keanu's character, but more of it comes through everybody else. And you do some really cool, just sit down and talk with a person for like half an hour, looking over a city skyline, just being like, what's it all for? And I think that stuff is so good, and it 100%. never gets talked about, because it's so no. buried, so buried.
3: That's it, man. Like there's so many recommendable parts about it. And I hope it gets to a point where you can recommend the game without caveats, where mm. you can say it has all of these great moments saying, but X, but Y, but Z, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just that when it eventually gets to that point, will I even have the energy to do it? I feel like I, <laughs> I, I want to, because I do want to champion parts of that game. I do want people to experience it in the in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. But it's it's you only have so much energy. You only have so many recommendations and you can only make so many first impressions. And Starlight Punk well, has it. made a lot of them.
2: Yeah, and you talk about the the word caviar has never applied to something more. Like, and yeah. uh, for the last year and a half, someone said, "Should I play Cyberpunk?" It's like, well, yes, but also blah blah blah. So, like, I I'm I'm curious. There's so much more that needs to be done to the game, whether or not they've added actual shops where you can like look at what mm. you're buying. So it's not just mm-hmm. icons on the screen. There was all that stuff. There's all the police presence stuff. There's all the wanted level stuff. There's a, there's a lot of core things that still need to be overhauled, but like, I think there is a, a, there's a soul to the game. It doesn't feel like Avengers. It doesn't feel like Anthem. It feels no. like a bunch of people tried to make something, and they were very much offset by um, you know, different directors, and, and here yeah. we are. I'll, t- I'll
3: I'll I'll fully back that. I will I will mm. say that something unlike Anthem, unlike the Avengers, this feels at least worth putting the time into to save yeah. because, like we were saying, like like you said that you know, like there's a soul to it. There is something mm. there. There is something of high quality in there that's worth salvaging but i always go backwards and forwards on whether i want to see them spend four years fixing this <laughs> or whether they should just fix it up to an extendable standpoint and then move on to cyberpunk 2 because like they, they could do that like a cyberpunk 2 they could jumping it from yeah. Yeah, they could destiny it. They could go from The Witcher 1 to The Witcher 2, or more importantly, The Witcher 2 to The Witcher 3, have this jump in quality, learn from their mistakes. It's just, obviously, they are indebted to players who are rightfully disappointed and who paid money for this and believed in it to do them a solid and do them justice first.
2: Yeah, and that's obviously where they're at. I think that like over time, you know, as the the saturation as uh you know the new consoles get bought more, that like that's a, that's people's like majority access point is the better version of the game overall, those cogs will slowly slip into place where like their patches yeah. will line up with people playing the newest version. And and you'll eventually you'll get the, the discourse on cyberpunk will shift to being like, oh, it was never that bad, and et cetera, et cetera. And if you go back to the stuff that we talked about, we've always been talking about the positives for it alongside the yeah. the the, the uh, viable. Um, or worthwhile negatives as well. But yeah, it's interesting. It's fascinating. The fact that so many people worked on it, the, the the length of time it took to put together, the weird corporate whims that intersected about halfway through development that just said, no, scrap that, make it about Keanu and all the story guys left and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I think it's a hell of a thing. And so I I'm curious and uh, whether or not this is the thing as I started all this on a rumor. I don't even know if it's actually like fully true or not, but <laughs> it came from data mining the game and realizing that a patch was coming. So hopefully it is. Yeah. Um, but to get more specific again, my most my game that I'm looking forward to the most, and this is by far anything that's across the next two months, is by far Sifu um, because I miss martial arts in games. That's why I was playing Dead to Rights because at any time <laughs> in that game, you can just push the disarm button uh, or get, get ready of your weapons, run up to a man and do a really cool disarm in slow motion and then just shoot him in the back of the chin you know, with a gun. And right. I just love it. I love the roundhouse, mate. You know what you can do that in as well? On. Enter the Matrix.
3: You can yeah. go up, grab someone's gun, whack him in the face with it then roundhouse kick them any game that lets you do that combination
2: of moves is good actually Gen- genuinely right where did martial arts go in games i feel like i say this in nearly every podcast but where did they go like it's <laughs> like the arkham trilogy like obviously has them in like like has them in has has martial arts in but like sleeping dogs like a game that is martial arts focused where you are doing melee combos like fists and kicks and cool stuff where's that gone why like, why can't i kick off the wall and kick a lad in the face in more things where did that even go? It's 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 a level of tactile satisfaction, man, that just mm. isn't in a
3: lot of action games for whatever mm. reason, and I don't know why. Because, for instance, I've been playing through uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I okay. almost forgot its name. And recently, okay. and that could benefit from a good melee system in the ability mm. to roundhouse kick someone in a very satisfying way. I know Tell you can you do though. a big kind of super kick yes. or a drop kick as well, but mm. it's it's not the same. I, you need to have no. that.
2: Guardians combat a, is, movement, you know? it's a thing. Yeah, the movement, like it's 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 weird. Guardians doesn't coalesce. But the, I was going to say that that game does have a very satisfying boost kick. And it does have quite a satisfying it double does. punch and um, where he does like a double fist forward thing as uh, Starlord. But overall, I just want a game where I can deck the living hell out of people in a cool way. And Sifu very much seems like that. I loved Absolver. I love Slow Clap as a developer. They're very much martial arts experts. They're motion capturing everything properly. They've got all these experts behind the scenes making sure everything lands right. And just the combat style just seems so cool. And I love what they're doing with the death system, where every time you die, obviously, you're building up a death counter. But when you die, that number gets added to your overall death, So you, uh, your overall age, sorry. So you do start, and I think you start at age 20, and you're very, very young. Um, and mm-hmm. obviously, in the trailer, they've already shown that you can become like a super old sensei kind of thing over time. Um, but also, that's a comment they've said on um, this old school proverb about it takes a lifetime to actually understand karate. And I like the whole thing of the whole game being this emb- embodiment of mastering martial arts. And I genuinely think I'll get to the point where I die too much. after to restart the whole thing. But <laughs> hopefully I can get through it. Um, and it's, it has this really cool revenge narrative thing where you're pinning together people who have like, killed someone in your past. I've been staying away from story specifics. But gameplay-wise, yeah. you have like, a, a mission board in your home apartment. And every time you go out and do a mission, you're putting together who's actually responsible and what's been going on with that. Um, which kind of feels really cool. It feels like a stylish Hong Kong cinema approach to doing that kind of um, story. And like I said, the combat and every time when you die, um, you're also, that's when you level up. So you do need to make death a part of your overall mechanic. That's how you unlock new moves and you come back stronger and you get back up on the spot and you keep fighting. I just think it's so cool. And I love the idea of, uh, like I said, I played Absolver, which was slow caps, open world martial arts thing where you learned moves if they were done on you. So you want to actually mm-hmm. find new players who have gotten further in the game and let them deck you so you can learn these new moves. <laughs> I just love their approach to the um, the overall philosophy behind learning a martial art. And I think they're making game versions of that in like the coolest yeah. way. I really hope it's
3: good, man. Like I am as excited as you are, are but... Yeah, my exactly, but my fingers are crossed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for your midnight recommendation. I'm gonna wait for you to go play that through the early hours and say, Josh, this is as good as you want it to be, so I can <laughs> buy it. Because that's the thing that I want to spend early February playing and just mm-hmm. absolutely kicking the crap out of fools having the crap be kicked out of me and hopefully it hopefully again it just comes together to what i think it
0: is
2: because like i said i miss martial arts and i miss environmental interactions let me grab a lad and throw him into a wall let me kick a man through a window let me kick something across the floor into someone's ankles but you can do all those things in sifu so i just i miss that in games i love an arkham knight yeah. when they brought that stuff in put it in put yeah. it in
3: everything do you know what was really good at that? The Bourne Conspiracy game yeah! I think it was called I love it was that quite game. sick for that. I mean yeah. that, that that got a lot of crap at the time but uh. that had some good elements of just like good um, well choreographed well feeling <sighs>
2: fighting in it this is why i mentioned assassin's creed 3 because i watched a clip of um what the hell's the dual connor taking on three different guards at once and i forgot about all those like multiple dude animations you could do in the old school assassin's creeds i know they're very much canned you just trigger them you take out three guys at once but But it looked really cool and the x2 game x-men wolverine's revenge had that where if you got in the right place you could take dudes out and it's just like where did all that stuff go why did we not (laughs) develop that more? you could have done so many cool martial arts things um, in gaming. I like the fact that Sony have got behind this as an exclusive. I think it's just a timed exclusive, but it's very much launching on PlayStation first. Um, the marketing's been really solid for it. I feel like a lot of people know what Sifu is. Um, or yeah. they, it's, you know, the word of mouth's very strong for it. And if this lands and sets off a whole wave of really cool melee, you know, martial arts-focused video games, then I just, I want every bit of that. And I think every bit of how it's coming together looks really, really strong. So I hope they pull it off. Um, it's out in like two weeks, out on the February the 8th. Um, so we've actually just thought, I paused it there, just behind-the-scenes secrets We're listening to this. We're going to do a whole podcast on God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West because um, it's very much a loaded viewpoint on my side. But anyone can come scream at us on social media. I don't think that the overall hype is there for those games like it should be. I think people are default excited. But I feel like there's also it's also very much muted by the fact that they are both cross-gen, by the fact that they feel like PS4 games on PS5, etc., etc. I'll get into it next week. But for now, I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown.
3: A pleasure as always, Scott.
2: And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Right at home.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner.